that moments like Monday aren't high, high moments. They're actually our new normal. I'm going to say that again. See, because if you think that's just a high moment, then you're going to be wanting to take two weeks off before you get back to, no, 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 no. That's just the new normal. It's just how we do what we do. And so in my heart, my heart was drawn to the Lord that morning, and I got in my car. I wanted to take care of a few things business-wise. Amen. I could feel it in my body, but I've learned through 12 years of ministry that my body can't tell me what to do. See, sometimes you have to be pushed beyond what you want to be pushed so you can learn who to take commands from. I'm led by the Spirit. I'm not bossed around by my body. And so some of you are going to be stretched beyond yourself in this day to help you understand to stop taking commands from the wrong commander. Amen. And, and so, so, so I got in my car as I was, I was doing some work on Tuesday morning, closer to Tuesday afternoon. I was doing some work and the Lord led me to listen to Luke, the 21st chapter. As I was blessing the Lord, I just wanted to bless him first of all because he just was so good the night before. And so I just spent most of the morning blessing him. But then he, he told me, go to Luke 21. And when I went to Luke 21, he poured out what I'm about to pour out unto you on tonight. And I believe that this is the word of the Lord for this time. And imperative for us to understand based on functioning and who we are. We cannot, we can never, never be in our function as Glorious Remnant Revival Community. If we're nothing else, we are passionate people. I, I, I'm coming to the I'm coming to the place where I recognize I don't want to be known to be a good preacher. I want to be known to be a burning preacher. I don't want to be known as a great leader. I want to be known as a burning leader. Hallelujah! Because I realize that a glorious bride is a burning bride. God is coming back for a glorious church, and on fire with flames for passion for Jesus Church. Hallelujah. And so I'm going to share this that the Lord dropped in my spirit. And I believe that one thing about the Lord is you're in a time where your random is, is God's leading. You're, you're going to find that you can no longer do random things anymore. That you're so in Christ that your instincts become you hearing his voice. That's what the Lord is doing in this season. Hallelujah. Luke 21, verse number 34. I'm going to read this and I'm going to share a couple of things with you on tonight. Hallelujah. We're entering into a realm of, of being touched by God when we're overwhelmed by his presence. It doesn't wear us out. It just makes us want more. I'll be honest with you. I wanted more today than I did after before Monday night. Hallelujah. I'm ready to run hard after him. Hallelujah. Because he's been so good. He took a, he took a, a church in the backyard and put his glorious garments on it like only God can do. Luke 21, verse number 34, look at this. 
Very, very powerful text. And this is a warning. I would say that Luke 21, it reflects Matthew 24 in its, uh, um, it, it has an eschatological um, um, feel to it. It is now about the culminating end of times. It is the Lord, it's, it's eschatological in the fact that it's the, about the culminating end of times. It's, it's God talking about how things will be wound up and, and how things will be brought to an end. Amen. This is Jesus preaching to his disciples concerning that because they ask him, when shall be these things happen and when shall be the sign of your coming? And this is a portion of the dialogue that the Lord has with his now followers to help them to understand how this time will be. And I, be, I, I feel like what God started with me yesterday, I'm not going to be done with. I'm going to have to eventually visit Matthew 24 to kind of finish this thing out because he started me in a vein. And I, by the time I finished writing, I'd wrote so many pages and I realized there's so many more things he said to me than I wrote. And so I figured that we probably going to have to pick up on this some more. Luke chapter 21, verse number 34, it says, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I'm, I'm going to read verse 34 again because that's the verse I really want to work from, excuse me, at least on tonight. It says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that that day come upon ye unawares. Father, I just thank you and bless you that this word is already blessed in the heavens. And Lord God, so it is already blessed in the earth. And, and that which it has caused to be established in heaven, let it cause and establish that same thing on the earth. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. We bless you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of God. I want to share this with you and I want to jump right into it. And I believe this is an imperative imperative instruction for us to properly properly continue to steward what's been put on us amen the the, pre, uh, the preacher says the spirit of god is in me for my sake but the spirit of god is upon me for your sake anytime the spirit gets on us it's for somebody else the work of god in us is for us but when God starts putting his glory on us, then that means he has somebody else in mind he wants to impact with his presence. Right now, what I need you to understand is the spirit of God is upon us. The spirit of God is upon the, 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 the atmosphere and the environment and our, our worship gatherings and our prayer services and, and, and during preaching amen, and during the singing, the spirit of God is upon us, but it ain't for us. Amen. And so that's why we got to understand the importance of stamina. Amen. Of stamina in this season. Come on, somebody say stamina. Because this thing is on me that whatever is on us right now, there's somebody that's going to die unless they get touched by it. Whatever's on us right now, there's somebody that's going to commit suicide if they don't get touched by it. Amen. 
Somebody say stamina. With that in mind, Jesus warns us, watch this. He says, take heed, watch this. Or that word take heed means to devote careful thought to. Or in other words, give intense attention to making sure that me and you don't allow the issues that we face and the obstacles that come against us to overcharge our hearts. Y'all see that? Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. Everybody say overcharged. To overcharge is to pay too much for something. Most of us would not pay $2,000 for a pair of shoes because that is too much for a pair of shoes. That, I, I would be overcharged if I paid $2,000 for a pair of shoes. Most of us would not pay $10,000 for a shirt because $10,000 is too much to pay for a shirt. If I paid that much, I would be being overcharged. Just like stores can overcharge us financially, problems can overcharge our hearts. Please hear what I'm saying and cause us to pay way more than that problem costs. Oh, y'all hear what I'm saying. Uh, that problem did not cost that many tears. You're paying more tears than what you should have been paying. That problem did not cost that much stress. Your heart is paying. You are being overcharged for this problem. That problem did not was not supposed to keep you up at night that much. You're being overcharged. That problem was not supposed to make you lose your night's sleep. You're being overcharged. That problem was not supposed to make you feel like I don't know what to do. I just want to give you are being overcharged and you're the one that has to be responsible to make sure you don't pay more than what you're supposed to be paying. Take heed oh glory that your heart be not overcharged. Can't nobody pay your, you got to make sure you don't allow your heart to pay more than what it should. Amen. You wouldn't pay $500 for a pair of tennis shoes, would you? Why in the world did you pay two weeks of worry? You wouldn't pay $500 for tennis shoes. Your two weeks is worth more than those $500 tennis shoes. Why would you pay that much for that problem? And you serve a God that says, oh, all things work together for your good. What are you doing paying all that? You wouldn't pay, you wouldn't pay $800 for a shirt. Why did you pay with six months of discouragement? for that problem. You are, you are being overcharged. That problem don't cost that much and no, God don't got you there. Take heed that your heart we attribute too many things to God that ain't God. Now, if it's God, then it includes righteousness, joy, and peace. And if it don't include righteousness, joy, and peace, stop blaming God for it. Take heed that your heart be not overcharged. We wind up, when we're overcharged, we wind up paying for the problem with our passion. 
God, I'm about to talk about it. The heart is where our passion is. He said, look, I'm trying to protect your passion. Don't let your heart be overcharged. Many of us like proper passion because our hearts are being overcharged by our problems. Can I help you understand something flat out? We're paying way too much for that marital issue. Flat out, we're paying way too much for that financial struggle. Flat out, we're paying way too much for what our children are dealing with. It don't cost all that. Flat out. It shouldn't cost you your passion. When your heart is being overcharged by your problems, maintaining passion becomes an impossible chore that seems like the individual demanding it is being insensitive. Because I want to pay for what I'm crying about and you keep on telling me to praise God. You just don't understand and you're being insensitive. No, the problem is you're overpaying for that problem so you lack the proper passion and my exhortation becomes to you insensitivity. My provocation to you becomes out of touch because what's supposed to be a privilege is a chore because you paid too much before you got here at home. When we allow our hearts to be overcharged, we pay for problems with our passion. Anytime passion is lacking, my heart has been overcharged by something. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, don't overpay for what you're facing right now. See, our problem is some of us in here are think other people in here ain't fighting nothing. When in fact, some of the same things you're fighting, we're fighting, we just refuse to pay that higher price for it. Y'all don't want to talk to me up in here. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. No, 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 no. We bargain shop. Huh? No, 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 no. You just stopped at one store and said, this is what I got to pay. But I figured out I ain't got to pay with my prayer life. My prayer, this should not cost me my prayer life. This should not cost me my praise. This should not cost me that my joy. I ain't paying all that. Not for this. Take heed that your heart be not overcharged. Every time I come in the house of God, I want to be able to jump. And I ain't paying my jump for my problem. Every time I come in the house of God, I want to clap. And I'm not paying my clap for my problem. Every time I come in the house of God, I want to be able to run. And I'm not giving up my run for my problem. You paying too much. Take heed that your heart be not overcharged. I want to wake up in the morning and want to read the Bible and any problem I have that's making me pay for my desire to read the word, that means I need to take that back to that store because I paid too much for that. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not We all paying, but we all ain't paying the same price. Watch this. Can I help you understand something? Elder Johnson today, come on, somebody bless him just for that. That means you can always have your clap. 
That means you can always have your thank you. That means you can always have your dance. You don't never have to pay for your problem with your dance. Listen to me. And listen to me well. The enemy is an extortioner. Y'all ever heard about extortion before? Go be to God. Extortion is an illegal exacting of an excessive amount of money using an office of power. Amen? Amen? It's when I now demand more for something than I actually should get for that something because I have a position of power where I can break the rules. Politicians do it all the time. What po politicians, if you ever seen somebody get caught with extortion, an example is when a po politician writes a $250,000 holiday Christmas bonus for the lead manager, and they're the lead manager. So I'm, they, they now write in the policy, the lead manager gets a $250,000 holiday bonus, but they're the lead manager. They just committed extortion. They use their position of power to get more money than they come. Everybody follow what I'm saying? The enemy is an extortioner. He magnifies our problems with his lies to get us to pay more for them than they really cost and therefore extorting our passion by way of that problem. I'm going to say that one more time. He magnifies our problems with his lies. This ain't gonna never turn around. Lie. This ain't gonna, you ain't gonna never get through this lie. It's gonna be like this forever. Lie. But the more I begin to be, believe that lie, the more I'm willing to pay with my passion for that lie. And he begins to charge my heart way more. Way more than it actually costs. And therefore, extorting our passion by way of the problem. Extortion is illegal. Everybody say extortion is illegal. Extortion is when someone uses the power of their office to obtain more than they should. The devil wants to extort or overcharge our hearts so he can get to our passion because he understands how valuable passion is. I need you to understand that your passion is valuable. When you come in here in expectation, that's valuable. When you go to work with joy and a desire to hear God, that's valuable. Anytime the enemy uses a problem as a means to overcharge our heart to the degree that we pay with our passion, he has committed extortion of our passion. Glory be to God. I'm here to tell you right now, if you lack passion, your passion has been extorted. So you've been overcharged somewhere. The enemy has slipped a lie in your life and told you you got to pay more than you got to pay for whatever it is you're dealing with. The enemy has used lies to get us to pay for a problem more than we had to pay for that problem. And anytime a person in a position of power is caught extorting money, can I help you understand what happens when that person is caught who's extorting money? They are required to pay back every penny that they stole with interest. What I'm trying to tell you right now, the prayer life that got extorted from you, it is going to be returned with interest. The desire for the word of God that got stole from you is going to be returned with interest. When the thief is caught
Lord, he must return sevenfold. I'm here to tell you right now, you're about to pray with a sevenfold passion. You're about to read with a sevenfold passion. You're about to see God with a sevenfold passion. You're about to dance with a sevenfold passion. You're about to shout with a sevenfold passion. You're about to seek the souls, saving of souls with a sevenfold passion. God, I need somebody in here that understands this ain't a time for us to take a break. This is a time for us to bless our God. I need somebody in here that recognizes that we are in the midst of revival. This ain't a time for us to sit back. This is a time for us to seek the king. You had a passion to see souls saved and transformed by the gospel and now you won't even open your mouth anymore but I'm here to tell you you're getting it all back. The devil is a liar. And you'll get it back sevenfold. Can I help you understand something? This is the year of the wildfire, but this is also the year of the big payback. Oh, oh. No, 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 no. This is the reason why it's the year of the wildfire is because it's the year of the big payback. I'm talking about the way you used to get up in the morning, the big payback. I'm talking about the way you used to sing all day, the big payback. I'm talking about the way you used to stand on the word, the big payback. I'm talking about everything because it actually belongs unto you. It does not belong unto him. He extorted it. He lied and told you you were supposed to be down. He lied and told you you were supposed to worry. That's what a good person would do. He lied and tried to get you to pay more than you ever should have paid for that. The big payback. You're about to start operating in stuff you forgot God lit you with. You're about to start going after stuff you forgot God used to have you going after. You're about to start doing stuff you forgot you used to do for God. The big payback. You remember the days when you used to only sleep for four and five hours and you would wake up like you slept for 12 because you were so on fire for God? The big payback. I'm telling you right now, it's coming back your way. A quickening spirit, a glory from God. His heart in your heart and your heart in his heart. I need somebody in here. I don't feel like resting. I feel like blessing him. I'm telling you right now, I'm not tired yet. Come on, the big payback.
I want to share something with you that's so, so key. I want to share something with you that's so, so key. Listen to this and listen to this is good. Because we can't talk about passion without talking about faith. Before I move on to that, I need you to say this out of your mouth. I'm no longer being overcharged. Whatever you came in here carrying, you already paid for it. Now cash your care. Stop paying for paying more than it costs. It don't cost that much. Take heed that your heart be not overcharged. Listen to this. Some of you think you're supposed to pay it because it's something big. It's my marriage. So I need to know you're still being overcharged because you're trying to take possession of something that he said what God put together. Now, hold on. If you didn't put it together, you can't. If you didn't, man, I'm, I ain't even going to go there no more because I'm so, we cannot do it in our strength. God did this. That would be fine if you actually did it. It'd be fine for you to pay that much. But the problem is you didn't put it together. Even though you asked them to marry you. Listen to this. And it's so, so key. Passion is maintained when we have more faith in what Jesus did than we have fear in what the enemy is currently doing. I'm going to say that again. Passion is maintained when we have more faith in what Jesus did than we have fear for what the enemy is currently doing. Anytime my fear of what the enemy is doing begins to override my faith in what God already did, then you will always see a waning in passion. Because passion and faith are inextricably tied together. Everybody follow what I'm saying? I want you to go to this verse, Galatians 5 verse 16. I want to, can I teach a little bit? Because we're at home now. Galatians 5, verse 16. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love my children, but I could be overcharged by what, what my children are going through. I love this church, but I can be overcharged by the problems this church is facing. If it costs me my passion. Galatians 5 verse 16. Look at this. It says this. Or excuse me. Galatians 5 and 6. Hallelujah. Look at this. Not, not, this is such a powerful text. And it says so, so much about faith and passion. Watch this. Watch this. It says here, for in Jesus Christ... Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. But faith which worketh by passion. The Greek word for love is agape. We always say that's unconditional, but it's actually used to mean affection more so than any other reason in the Bible. And affection is passion. 
Amen. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by passion. Passion makes faith work. Faith needs passion to function. Faith working by where there's no passion, there's no functional faith. All right, let me take it a step further. Worketh is now the Greek word energeo. Energeo, E-N-E-R-G-E-O. It's where we get our uh, uh, English word energy, right? Energeo. It literally means, watch this, the meaning is to be operative, be at work, put forth power. All right? Be, I'm going to say it again. It, Energeo worketh. Faith worketh by passion. Worketh energeo means to be operative, be at work, put forth power. Faith worketh by passion. Passion makes faith operative. Passion makes it possible for faith to work. In other words, passion is face ammunition. Can I help? Can I help? That's the best way. I don't know how else I could put it where you could get it. Passion is face ammunition. Passion aids faith so that faith can properly function. It, uh, uh, glory be to God. A faith problem is actually evidence of a passion void. Can I say that again? I'm going to say that again. A faith, if you're struggling with your faith, your faith ain't the issue. It's your love that's the issue because faith worketh by love. Your, your, your faith ain't the issue. Your passion is the issue. Where faith can't face fire, there's a passion that's not on fire. Glory be to God because where faith, where passion is on fire, faith will face the fire. When my faith isn't working, it's because my passion isn't flaming. It is always now. Faith is always Always a passion problem because faith worketh by love. Anytime we're having a difficult time believing God, chances are our hearts have been overcharged by the lies of the enemy. Glory be to God. There's something that we paid out of our heart more than we should have paid that has now interrupted our flame, which means our faith has now been compromised. Anytime the devil extorts passion, we begin to question God's power. Track it. Track it. I don't see how this is going to happen. Come on, track it. God, I got to do something about this. Anybody ever been there? God, I got to do something. I can't just sit no more. God, I got to change something. I got, I got to see what's going to happen. I, I just don't understand this. The fruit of anxiousness and worry begin to the, come to the surface of our actions. Uh, anytime our faith is compromised, uh, we feel like we, we got to do or die right now. I got to do something. And we don't say it because God ain't doing something. So I got to do something to make God do something because obviously something's wrong. Why do we do that? Because when my passion is distorted, God's, well, excuse me, when my passion is extorted, God's power is distorted in my perspective. I don't say I don't believe in his power like I used to. I just act like I don't believe in his power like I used to. I do something that at one point I was trusting that he was going to do. Amen? If we were to track People, saints of God, 
if we were to track our greatest, most intense times of inward toiling, we've all been there, battles with discouragement and depression, and the times where it was a struggle, it was a struggle for us just to go day to day, just to get up and have the motivation to go to work, just, just to get up and have a little bit of energy to give something to our children, and just to, just to believe to continue to go. Anybody ever been there before? We would find, I guarantee you this, by observation, I guarantee that we would find, coupled with these intense battles, less than normal expressed passion to God. Track it. Every time you're down, your passion is too. Track it. Every time the fight is the most intense is when the fire has been dimmed the most. Amen. Why? Because faith's function is hindered when love's passion isn't burning. Faith's function is hindered when love's passion isn't burning. That's why it's so important we understand that we do not, not give God what, we, what belongs to him on Wednesday night because of what he gave us on Monday night. I'm going to say that again. That's why I made sure that we understand, glory be to God, that Monday night ain't got nothing to do with Wednesday night. Because now faith, if I got to function in now faith, that means I also got to function in now passion. My passion Monday don't make up for the lack of passion on Wednesday. Obviously, fire is a lifestyle and not an event. We like to have fiery events, but we lack the understanding that God wants to bless us with a promise called a fiery life. Faith, pastor, how did you get this word? Passion has the right to call on passion. Deep calls to deep. I can call out of the word what the word has worked in me. God, you work passion. So I can call out of the word passion. Deep calls unto deep. This is so key. This is so key that we understand. Once we recognize that our struggle isn't because of our struggle, but our struggle is because our heart has been overcharged by a struggle, we can catch the thief committing extortion. Your struggle ain't because of your struggle. Your struggle is because you're paying too much for it. And now once I recognize that's extortion, because God would never allow the devil to take my passion, and I catch the thief, I can be restored. And I can actually make him multiply what he tried to diminish. He'll come before me one way, but flee for me seven ways. In other words, the de- I only had one way to go when the devil came against me, but when I turned him around, he gave me seven ways I could go. I made him multiply my blessing. I made him multiply God's favor. I made him multiply God's glory. Let him come before me one way. You're going to flee before me seven ways. The moment I find out where I paid too much for this, the moment where I find out I put prayer on the counter for this, the moment I find out I wrote a money order for my passion for for this, I'm going to get this thing back and you're going to return it to me sevenfold. Take heed that your heart be not overcharged. Yes, 
Faith worketh by love. Passion is faith's ammunition. The devil is after our passion because he knows a lack of passion disqualifies us from functioning in consistent faith. He doesn't mind lotto faith. All of us can hit the jackpot every now and again, but when we're hitting the jackpot every day, people begin to think lotto faith is the faith we're called to. We're not called to lotto faith. Come on. We're called to consistent faith. The one thing that Jesus Brian, and it blew my mind. The one thing that Jesus was concerned about finding when he returned that he emphasized in Matthew 24 and that he emphasized in Luke 17, the one thing that he now made sure that he emphasized, glory be to God, in that verse and in that text is he now emphasized when I come back, when I return, Will I find faith? Right? Will I be able to locate faith? Why? Why did he say that? Put up that first slide. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of the passion, the love the passion of many shall wax cold. This is in the same verse. He says, well, I find faith. Now, if you read that in the Passion Translation, it says, there shall be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. Notice it says burn for, with passion for God and others. The others has to be the and. God has to be exclusive. Our problem is we want to burn for people without burning for God. But the people are the and. God is the exclusive. Amen. There's too many people that want to help people that don't burn for God. That's what I'm trying to say. Amen. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. The reason why Jesus will have such a difficult time finding faith when he returns, watch this, is because it's going to be an overwhelming number of people who live with no passion claiming allegiance to the house of faith. And now faith will be defined as a mental thing. Y'all ain't hear Faith will be defined as a I believe it with my mind thing and not something that burns in my heart. And so, so what's going to happen is the Lord won't be able to find faith because the church will lack the passion necessary to function in faith. Therefore, faith will be redefined. What is faith right now? I know Jesus walked on water. Glory be to God. That is not faith. That's knowledge. I know Jesus healed the sick. That is not faith. That's mental knowledge. Amen? Glory be to God. So, so, so now where there's a lack of faith, there is an inability to, where there's a lack of passion, there's an inability to find faith. Amen? Everybody say, don't be overcharged. 
Look at Luke chapter 21, verse number 34. I want to show you this. As a matter of fact, put up that second slide. Put up the second slide. Luke chapter 21, verse number 34. All right, excuse me. Look at Matthew. And because, no, is there another slide? Amen. It says here this. This is our foundational text. I'm going to read it in the King James. Then I'm going to read it in the, the Passion Translation. But I want you to see something in this. It says, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be, everybody say overcharged. Overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that that day come upon you unawares. Look at the Passion Translation. Be careful that you never allow your hearts to grow cold. Remain passionate and free from anxiety and the worries of this life. Then you will not be caught off guard by what happens. Don't let me come and find you drunk or careless in living like everyone else. When you lack passion, it's evidence that you're drunk. I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. He says, now watch this. He says here, I'm going to read that first one again. The King James. <clears throat> and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. Three things that the enemy uses lies to overcharge our heart with. Right. Surfeiting, drunkenness, and cares of this life. If your heart is being overcharged, it's being overcharged by a lie that's using one of these means. Surfeiting, drunkenness, cares of this life. Those are the three ways the enemy uses to overcharge us. Everybody follow what I'm saying? I need y'all to get this. Glory be to God because we're not going to be overcharged. Amen. We, 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 we are going to be faithful to what God poured out. See, once God pours something on you, you can't tell what's on you. I'm tired. If something is on you, somebody needs you. You can't tell what's on you. No, I don't want to get up right now. There's a new responsibility. But that's so important that we understand that our heart be not overcharged. Amen. Surfeiting. You, surfeiting literally means this, and it's so profound. Surfeiting is the giddiness and headache caused by drinking wine in excess. It is, surfeiting is now the hangover symptoms and the giddiness, giddiness means dizziness. Another word for giddiness is vertigo. Right? Vertigo is now when I can't keep my balance anytime I'm vertical. I wish I could preach up here. I ain't even got time to really preach all that. Vertigo is when I have to be horizontal. I can't be vertical. Every time I try to be vertical, my vertigo causes me to lose balance. And so I have to now lay back down and focus horizontal. I can never be vertical. I have to focus horizontal. I can never be vertical. I have to... Right? So, 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 so now, every time I try to pray, I get dizzy. I, I get worried. Uh, something takes my mind. Every time I try to seek God, but my vertigo won't allow me to be vertical. Every time I try to praise, something takes my vertigo won't allow me to be vertical. 
giddiness, it is the giddiness and headache that is caused by an excess of wine. Amen. Surfeiting has to do with worry. If you read Luke 17, it talks about all the things the world is going to be worried about. And then he says, take heed that your heart be not overcharged. Right. Amen. Surfeiting has to do with worry. See, this is where we get caught up. The world believes and teaches us when something bad or something challenging has happened, we're supposed to worry. That worry is actually an effective way to validate the fact that we care about a situation, right? So now, if you want to show me you love me, the world teaches me if I tell you I got in an accident that you, you did not properly respond, if you don't be like, oh my God, are you okay? Do we need to call somebody? Are you bleeding? Are you going to die right now? If I called and told every one of you in here that I just got in a car accident, if you, you will feel pressure to respond that way because the culture has told us that worry is caring and glory be to God now if I tell you I'm in an accident and you actually respond the way God wants you to oh God glory be to God you shall live and not die where you at right now I'll be over there in a minute but you just hold on and you continue to praise the Lord because this is in the Lord's hand now you don't care about me let me call somebody else that's gonna scream when I answer the phone because I feel like you don't carry care about me because you're not worried because we're taught that worry Worry is how we care. Y'all know I'm preaching right here. Amen. And work, that is a lie from the enemy to overcharge our hearts. Every time we act like that, we are paying more for whatever we're hearing about than what should we should be paying for what? There may be times when we move with ur urgency, but there's never a time we are supposed to operate out of worry. Amen. I'm not, no, we move with urgency, but it's not going to be worry. Glory be to God. I'm here to tell you right now, if, if they call you and say your baby got a 105 temperature, the worst thing you can do is worry. God don't ask you. You don't have to care to worry. Actually, you can care more by not worrying, by, by going in there with a clear mind, being able to hear what the Spirit of the Lord wants to tell you to do in order to deal with the devil. But if you worry, y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. You actually think, oh my God, what are we going to do? If it don't go down, they're going to pass out. They might go in a coma. And so now we get together and we worry and we're using our worry to say, God, do something. And the worry is the very thing because, oh, glory. Can I help you understand something? Worry is wine. So Y'all miss that. Worry is actually the wine that makes us drunk. Worry is the wine that causes us to become drunk. To embrace worry is to drink wine. Every time you agree with the fact that I'm supposed to be worried, you are actually drinking wine. My God, we got more winos in the church than we thought. Mad Dog 2020. Because what? Worry gives you the right to be mad. 
No, I acted like that because they said they did this to me. And I was worried. Worry gives you the right to curse. Mad Dog 2020, you love to drink that wine, don't you? Worry gives us the right to act satanic. You had to excuse me because they said that's what happened to my baby. So the only reason why I acted like Satan is because that happened to my baby. I was just being worried. You were just drinking Mad Dog 20 Twin Twin. Worry is wine that makes us drunk and we start acting like the enemy we're supposed to be crushing. Look at everybody tell your neighbor, worry is wine. The reason why I don't tell some people when something happens to my child because I don't need their wine. I already know how you act when something go wrong. I purposely tell my wife not to call certain people in our family because I know how they're going to act. I purposely told because I didn't want a bunch of winos around me. So when my dad died, I told him, don't call nobody. Don't tell nobody to come visit me. Let me now hear God. And so I sat there with my dad on the couch. Glory be to God. And you, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I, and I said, I'm trying to be as patient as I can because I don't want to be nasty to you, but I need you to get out my face because you're just doing that because that's what the world teaches you to do. I can't believe this. Are you okay? Do you need anything? I just need you to get out my face. My God. Amen. Because, yo, because I'm, what I'm telling you is your worry ain't going to bring him back to life. Right. But Jesus can. See, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying, I, I don't want to deal. I'm not going that route with you. And I wanted to sit with my dad while he was dead on that couch and hear God concerning his life. I don't need nobody to say, I'm so sorry. God, did you save him? This is what I'm having. This is the conversation I'm having on the couch when I'm sitting next to my dad. I don't want to hear all that. God, did you save him? Did you move in the 12th hour? Were you merciful enough? God, I know you're merciful. God, did, you, did, you, did you grab them? Did you, were you there? Did you intervene? You, you, did you hear our prayers? I know you're faithful to hear prayer. I don't need winos. Amen. So now, when the wine of worry has made you drunk, the fire of your passion is nowhere in sight. The fruit of drunkenness is passionlessness. A believer without passion is equivalent to a drunk man stumbling down the road that don't know where he is. Every time you see a drunk man stumbling down the road like this, You walking around with passion look just like that. You're just as drunk as you can be. You, you are in a drunken stupor. Passionlessness is drunkenness. I'm going to say that again. Passionlessness is drunkenness. The wine of worry has overcharged your heart and you paid with your passion. And the proof that you paid with your pa passion is the fact that you're passionless. So the wine of worry makes you drunk, which is evidenced by the fruit of lifeless passion. Where there's no passion, there's been drinking. Right. Amen. 
I need no other. When it's hard to praise God, you need no other evidence to know somebody been drinking the wine of work. Y'all know I'm in here preaching the truth right now. Wine is always involved when passion is missing. But it's a wine that the world tells us that it's okay to drink because that's how you show you care. Amen? Amen. Worry is never to be the initiator of any thought or action of a kingdom citizen. If I'm a kingdom citizen, I may, I may, I, I may act and I may think, but it will not be initiated by worry. It cannot be. It must be initiated from the foundation called peace. Everything I do, when you are drunk, you have no peace. Right, come on. And there can be no passion. Amen. 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 Anybody in here knows I'm telling the truth. When, when husbands and wives, when your wife is worried, What if you be like, baby, I want you. What's she going to do? You are so insensitive. You don't care nothing about nobody but yourself. <laughs> I'm over here worried. I could be dying. You sitting here talking about you. Uh, look here. Boy, look at why is some of the women doing like this? <laughs> some of the wives like, okay. How dare you? You see me in straights over here. And I'm like, baby, I see you in straights, but man. I got life. <laughs> but but the whole point. Now, look, the whole point of what I'm trying to say is what? When I'm worried, I don't even feel like passion is in place. That's the whole point I'm trying to make. See, y'all trying to pass to being nasty. No, I got to have you get this. You think your worry excuses your willingness to be passionate. I know I'm preaching up in here. Marriage ministry one-on-one. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Well, women, we having one on. Let's have one tomorrow. Amen. All right. Where there is now worry, passion has no place. Passionlessness is drunkenness. It means we've been drinking the wine of what? Worry. Amen. The second tool the enemy uses to overcharge our heart with is drunkenness. Y'all see that? Everybody say drunkenness. Drunkenness is to habitually drink. Drunkenness is habitual intoxication. It's when you can't stop drinking. It's when you can't stop worrying or drinking the wine of worry. 
You've done it so much that it becomes a part of your life where you can't go without it. Come on, I'm worried about my child going off to school. I'm worried about them laying off on my job. I'm worried, I'm, 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 I'm worried about starting back to school. I'm worried about paying this bill. I'm worried about my cousin that's in the hospital. I'm worried about gas prices. They jack it up. I'm worried because we got Donald Trump as a president. I'm worried because my car's on empty. I'm worried because there's people talking about me on my job. It's always just one worry after another. And I'm so used to drinking the wine of worry that that now becomes my lifestyle because I'm no longer just someone who drinks the wine. I am now a wino. I am a drunkard. And I feel like you're out of touch and out of place because you don't worry like me. I'm here to tell you right now, if you call me and say, my baby got 110 temperature and they're saying if something don't happen in five minutes uh, that he might not go make it, you will be offended by my response. You're going to be offended because I'm not going to be like, oh my God, I don't know what we're going to do. I'm not going to do none of that. I am not going to add to what could now confuse the atmosphere and keep God from moving. I recognize that the God of peace crushes Satan under our feet. So somebody in the house got to have some peace so God can give us the victory. You still think your worry is helping and it's not. I probably won't cry when you cry, even though I'm feeling what you're feeling. If I do cry, I'm not going to react like you. Amen? Why? Because I need to be a presence of peace. Amen? Never feel like you owe people worry when they tell you something. People will get mad at you when they tell you certain things and if you don't worry about it. You do not owe people worry, although you owe them caring. But you don't owe them worry because worry ain't caring. Amen? So, so now what's happened is many, so many people so used to drinking that they become drunkards. And then even now, so, so much of a drunkard that will make drinking spiritual, right? I see snakes coming in all the time. Healing don't never come in. Victory don't never come in. Prosperity, every time it's a Goliath, every time it's a giant, every time darkness, every time, it's like, man, when is, is there ever going to be a time God actually comes? Perhaps your gift is perverted by your whining. Perhaps you're a prophet with a drinking problem. Amen. The enemy is about to launch an attack because God is doing so much. Really? That's all you got? So we need to plead the blood. That's it. No power, no glory, no promotion, no breakthrough. That's it. We are so drunken of the wine of worry that we have gotten so drunk 
that we actually believe that within our faith, we have to include the fear of what the devil's trying to do to sabotage what God is doing. We don't even have to include it because it already didn't work. I'm I'm not saying it ain't going to work. What I'm telling you is it didn't work before he started it because he defeated it before it was now formed. Amen. Amen. It overcharges your heart and leaves you passionless. What happens when I come in here thinking, if we don't come in here right now, the devil is going to sabotage everything we're doing. Where is my passion? I ain't in passion mode. I can't love on God. I got to be vigilant. I got to watch. Any moment somebody might try something up in here. Who, 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 would, who do you think wants you watching for the devil? God or the devil? I'm going to ask that question. <laughs> i ask that question. Who do, you want, who do you think wants you watching for the devil? God or the devil? The devil. Amen? The cares of this life, it's when we're overcommitted to things that only have any measure of significance on this side of heaven. It's when we put more emphasis on establishing temporal comfort than advancing an eternal agenda. We're only held captive by the cares of this life when we're drunk. There's no other way. There's no other way. I want to admonish you, men and women of God on tonight. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not overcharged this year. I'm here to tell you this is a year of a wildfire. This is a glorious year. This is a wonderful year. This is the year of greatest blessing we've ever experienced in our life. With tribulations. With conflict. With obstacles. And with issues. And the devil's going to bait us to see are we going to be willing to pay for the passion God has poured for the obstacles that we're facing. So my admonishment on you today is there's already something precious in your heart. Don't let your heart be overcharged. I'm here to tell you right now the fire, the, the, the fire has lit of his passion, but the fires of trials have been lit too. Some of you have already been walking and facing them. You're going to see him this week. You're going to see him next month. Don't let it overcharge your heart. It has no right to take your breath. You do not have to pay for it with your praise. You don't have to pay for it with your thoughts. He deserves all of your heart. He deserves all of your mind. He deserves all of your soul. He deserves all of your strength. I'm here to tell you right now, God is going to call us to minister to ministry that's laborious. While, we, while the enemy is still coming against us, because of what's on us. Amen. Don't let your heart be overcharged by a move of God. See, some of you let Monday overcharge you. I'm going to say that again. Some of you let Monday overcharge you, but some of us woke up Tuesday morning saying, Daddy, what's next? 
we're going to learn how to continue to say Abba, 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 Abba. After this Abba, 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 I'm here to tell you right now, when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up with the same Abba I woke up with yesterday morning that gave me this word. I'm going to Abba, what's next? What you got? God, I love you. God, I bless you. I refuse to let go of this flame because you didn't have to give this to me. There, oh my God, you didn't have to give me the flame you gave me. You didn't have to give me the praise you gave me. Abba, what's next? What do you want me to do? I'm going to lay here and I'm going to wait. While I'm riding down the street, Abba, what's next? Uh, glory be to God. Uh, I need somebody in here not to allow the move of God to overcharge your hearts. Don't you dare glorify your tiredness. I'm not saying you don't need rest, uh, but don't glorify, don't use uh, the move of God uh, to call the as an excuse to put out your fire. We're going to learn how to steward a flame. Can y'all can y'all allow me to teach you how to steward a flame? Hallelujah. Everybody stand to your feet. Come on. Hallelujah. 